This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So for all of those of you who are new this morning, welcome. My name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of the church. And we're going to have some fun this morning learning some really important and life-changing things. For those of you who pray this afternoon... Uh, we have a ton of our pastoral team and staff team that are all down at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and they are going to be visiting two or three different church campuses this morning, and they're on a homework assignment, and uh, the following weekend, next weekend, we're going to have 10 or 12 more people from our church going to a different conference. It also happens to be in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, so... I walked into the office on Monday morning, and Andrew, our guest services pastor, was there. Yeah, let's hear it for Andrew, yeah. I said, Andrew, it's you and me on Sunday, that's it, all right? So um, uh, for those of you who are new, that's a pretty rare thing at New Life for us to have to be that short-staffed, but I'm going to be hanging out in the the, uh, lobby afterwards, so if you have questions... Uh, you can come by and ask me whatever you want to ask, and I'll be happy to answer it. You'll see a bunch of people with this sort of a shirt on. They'll know most of the answers to your questions. Uh, it's a For NorCal uh, t-shirt, and we are definitely For NorCal. So uh, that's sort of some of the house business. Did you happen to notice a rather large display in the middle of the lobby this morning? Yes. So here's the theme for the morning. It's actually, you're going to see that for the next three weeks. And the theme comes right out of the song you just heard, and that is, we would love for you to make this place your home. And I want to talk to you a lot about that this morning. As the founding pastor, you you might wonder, well, surely you must enjoy this church. I do. But I enjoy it for probably a different reason than you might think. The number one reason I enjoy this church is because God has used it in amazing ways to grow my trust and my faith in Him. I love being with all of you. I love what our worship bands do Sunday after Sunday. I love the fact that you can't come to New Life and snooze through any service because they're all a little bit different. I love the fact that we study from God's Word every single Sunday I love the fact that people love to hang around this place, that no one just files in and politely files out, and you never get this place confused with a library or a mausoleum. I love that. Yeah. But the number one thing I love about this church is that you are the people that have helped me grow my faith. God has used you. I pray that God has used me to help you grow yours. For those of you who are new or relatively new to new life, my prayer for you as a pastor is that God would use whatever we do, that God would use us, that God would use the services that we have on Sunday morning, that God would use the groups that meet throughout the week to help you grow your faith and your trust in him. Because in the end, and I'm not just talking about when you die, I'm talking about as you live your life, 
the most important and life-changing and dynamic thing that any church could ever do for you or with you is to help you engage with God in a way that grows your faith and trust in Him. Are you on board with that? Yeah, so that's who we are as a church. So we're going to interrupt this, this teaching series. I know the program you got says bad blood on the front of it, right? True story. A couple of weeks ago when I was going to speak, I was going to tell a story, and I happened to run into one of the guys that was actually a part of that story. So I said to him on the way in, hey, man, you made the sermon this morning. He looks at me, he looks at his program, and he says, it says bad blood. I'm not sure I wanted to make that one. <laughs> Fortunately, he was on the good end of that. So rarely do we interrupt a sermon series, but this morning we're going to do that because I want to talk to you about something that's going to take place very shortly in our church, and it's great stuff. So today, I'm going to talk to you about summer groups and making this place your home. The first thing that you need to know is, I need to turn this on, there you go. And that is, there it is. When you come to church for the very first time, there's a question that if it's not going on in your conscious mind, it for sure is in your subconscious mind. And the whole time that you are at church, and for all of you who are brand new this morning, this question is going through your mind. I know it is. And that is, do I belong here? Now, wrapped up in that big question are a bunch of smaller questions like this. Is this a safe place? Right? You may have checked out communion, and I mean nothing disrespectful, but you may have checked out communion to make sure it wasn't Kool-Aid, right? That you were expected to drink. You want to know, do I feel safe here? Does it feel safe emotionally? Does it feel safe physically? Does it feel safe spiritually? You're also asking, is there any prior experience needed? If you've ever visited a church... And, and most of us probably have at some point, and you went in wondering, will I know when to stand up? Will I know when to sit down? Will I know when to repeat after someone? Will I know what to say? Do they give me a playbook on the way in that I can read my way through? Is the pastor going to use words that if I don't have church experience, I might not understand? Do I have to know a religious lingo? In other words, prior experience needed. Do I feel other there? You're going to look around and subconsciously you're going to say, is there anybody here that looks like me? Or that seems to act like me? Is there anybody here from my socioeconomic group? Is there anyone here with my ethnicity? Or do I feel other? You'll want to know, do my kids enjoy this? If you have children and you brought them to church, I know you're going to ask them on the way home, did you enjoy this morning? And if you're a good parent, you will not say to your child, my parents made me do this, and by golly, if I had to do this, you are too. No, you want your kids to enjoy growing their faith. You want them tied into a God that they know dearly 
and deeply loves them. And if you come here often enough, you will learn that God not only dearly and deeply loves your children, he has a great desire to partner with them in life. And you're going to ask yourself, would I dare to invite a friend? One of my good friends said to me one day, he said, Ron, you know what I love about new life? I could invite any of my friends, and he, he worked as a CFO of a, of a major corporation. And he said, I could invite any of my friends. I could invite the CEO of my company. I could invite, invite anybody that works at my company. I don't care what level they're in. I could invite them, and I would know I would never have to apologize for anything that took place at our church. And furthermore, I wouldn't even have to explain it to them. Wow. This is all part of the question, do I belong here? And if, you, if the answer that you come up with for those questions is all good and positive, then that's enough to bring you back. And more than likely, you will come back, and you will come back again. And about the third or fourth time that you come back, and the place feels safe, and what we do feels healthy and good for you, you will find yourself asking another question, and that is this. Now that I'm here, who do I belong with? Huh. I know I belong here, but there's a lot of people here. And you'll find yourself in this question, there are some other questions wrapped up like, I see all the people, but who are my people? Yeah. By the way, for those of you who are English teachers, I know who do I belong with is not grammatically correct. I actually know that, all right? So you can relax and just move on to the next slide. Right? Or you could be like my English teacher who said to me one day, Ron, here's the proper way to say it. There is a person up with which I will not put. That's grammatically correct, right? But that's not how we speak. So here we go. So... Who will really see me? Who will look past the the fact that there's a body standing here? And who will actually see me? Who will do more than just be polite with me? Who actually cares about my story? And oh, by the way, who would be willing to share a little piece of their story with me? Who do I belong with? Who will let me see them? Who will walk with me? When life gets tough, is there anybody here that's actually going to be part of my personal support group? And is there anybody here who will let me be part of their personal support group? Because if I belong here, but I don't have anybody I belong with, eventually... I won't feel like I belong here. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, I don't want to be just one in a crowd of 800 or 1,000 people who come here regularly. I need some of my people who will be my community. Now, when you decide that this needs to be your home, and by the way, the display out there in the lobby is just to help you visualize that this is not just a giant building where we come to, but it actually could be our home. It could be our spiritual home. It could be a place. You know, I watch families with young kids, and it's so fun to watch them come into church 
or into the building any time during the week. Because once this place becomes their home, the moment the kids walk in the door, they take off. And they are running, and they're looking for their friends, and they are having a great time. And I remember when our kids were small, and I looked at our kids, and I said to my wife, our kids' two favorite places in the whole world are our home and the church building. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that. The two safest places in the world. And that's where they love to hang out. So when this place becomes my home, church won't be a weekly event that I attend. And I want to pause right there and I want to talk to those of you that for you at this point, church is a weekly event that you attend. And you love it. If you come here week after week, you get inspired, you get encouraged, you always feel better when you leave. We deal with real life. It's not just a positive mental attitude. We talk about struggle. We talk about all sorts of things. We talk about life as it really is. But in the process of talking about life, you end up feeling better equipped to actually deal with life as it comes to you. And that's the way church should be. But for you at this point, it's still a weekly event that you attend. Here's my goal for you. When this place becomes your home, it will be a group of people that you know you're a part of. Yeah. It's not an event. It's a group of people. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, this is a verse that originally captured my attention as a 13-year-old kid sitting in church. I want to read it to you because, in a way, the journey that started in my life there is what culminated in the founding of this church. This is actually where it all began. I was sitting in church, and I read this verse out of Acts chapter 2. All the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Do you like that description of a church? That almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? I remember as a 13-year-old kid reading that over and over again. And so I was raised in a church where when I looked around and I compared what I had just read with what I could see with my eyes, do you remember in kindergarten they used to show you pictures and they ask you, which one of these is not like the rest? I played that little kindergarten game. I I read this description and then I looked around at the church that I was growing up in and I wanted to ask what the kindergarten teacher was asking me, which one of these is not like the other? Because there was a vast difference. All the people that I grew up with in church were all good intentioned people. They were all great people. But the model of the church that they were building didn't look anything like this. If we go back and read this from the beginning, I've underlined words 
that, that point out the togetherness of the church, the inclusiveness. All of the believers met together, and they met in one place. That's what we're doing this morning. And they shared everything they had. They took the journey of life together. They sold their property and possessions. That's a little scary, isn't it? And you're probably wondering, is that the Kool-Aid that we're going to have to drink in a little bit? No, no, no. But you know something? People over the history of this church, people have sold, cashed in IRAs. They have sold heirloom jewelry. They have done and made amazing sacrifices, not because anyone coerced them to do it. But you know something? When you love people and you believe in what God is doing, He can move you to be amazingly generous. Not because you have to be. Because look what happens to these people. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together. They met in their homes. That's the group's part of this church. By the way, on the first day of this church, it was three times bigger than this church is right now. We have about 800 to 1,000 people that come to our church regularly. And on the first day of this church, they had 3,000 people that joined on day one. You, you talk about trying to, trying to have a difficult time finding your people in a crowd of 3,000. That's why they met in their homes. And they shared their meals. Look, great joy and generosity. Those two things characterize that church. And that's the journey that we are on together. I would hope that great joy describes us as a church. And I would hope great generosity is a hallmark of our church as well. So, here's what I want you to know. The best way to make this place my home, the best place, way for me to do that is for me to participate in one of New Life's small groups. So I'm going to break out what those look like today, but if you had to take the whole sermon in one sentence, there it is. The best way to turn this from a weekly event that you attend to a group of people that you belong to, the best way to make this place your home is to participate in one of our, in one of our small groups. So what does a small group look like at New Life? Well, a small group is 8 to 12 like-minded people who get together regularly to encourage each other in growing their faith and also to t- they take the journey of life together. They share the journey of life. 8 to 12 people. Why? All the data shows that that's the best size for any small group. It's small enough you can get to know everyone there, but it's large enough that when you read in a, a passage in the Bible that says, Dearly beloved, the only other person in the group doesn't think you're proposing to them. <laughs> Got it? Yeah. 8 to 12 people. So if you take 800 to 1,000 people and you divide them down into groups of 8 to 12 people, you realize that as we work this through our entire church, we will end up with hundreds of small groups. That's my prayer and that's my goal. 8 to 12 people who take the journey of life together and they encourage each other in the growing of their faith. It's difficult to grow spiritually unless we are connected relationally. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Ready? Let's begin. 
It's difficult to grow spiritually unless we are connected relationally. Yeah. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. Now, I want to illustrate that out of life for you because ducks and geese illustrate not the whole spiritual thing, but the idea of being connected relationally. I want to show you a picture that you will rarely ever see. What's unusual about that picture? It's one duck flying by himself. Yeah. By the way, I had to look long and hard to get that picture because it's rare. I don't know how this happens, but this is how we usually see ducks and geese, right? Yeah. And we see their formations, the V formations in the sky. Have you ever wondered how that takes place? I get it. Once you get up in the air, you want to get in the draft of the duck or the goose in front of you because it makes flying easier. But what I have never, ever gotten is when there's a whole gaggle of geese on a lake or pond, I've never seen them get in a circle and quack or, or honk at each other and, and plan out where they're going. And then they all take off at once and they immediately form into a V because they are on a mission to go there together. I don't know how it works. I watch a duck or a goose and, and, and it starts to take off and it's like the others are looking and going, well, wherever he or she's going, I'm going to. Here we go. And they all start to go. And I've often wondered, do they know where they're going? And, and by the way, the person that started out doesn't stay in the lead. We think they might be honking encouragement. I'm guessing they might be honking direction. Because wherever they go, they end up going together. Can I tell you that when life is the richest and the best, it's when we're part of a small group of people and we look at each other and we say, wherever you're going, I'm going with you. When life takes you to the hospital, guess where you're going to find me? I'm going to be at the hospital with you. When life takes you down a road you didn't want to go and you lose a loved one, well, guess what? Wherever you go, I'm going. Because we are taking the journey of life together. We will love each other and care about each other that much. I went to visit somebody from our church who was in Petaluma Valley Hospital. And uh, I know most of the nurses there because I also work there as a volunteer chaplain, but I ran into a nurse that did not know me. And I was just there to visit somebody from our church. And I certainly don't get to visit everybody from our church that's in the hospital, but this happened to be a personal friend of mine. And they were, they were in the ICU unit. And so you had, to, you had to get permission to get in and get out. So I picked up the phone and I said, hi, my name is Ron. And uh, I would like to know if I could get in to see so-and-so. And they said, well, how are you related to so-and-so? And I said, I'm their pastor. And she said to me, how many pastors do you have at that church? <laughs> Apparently, a number of people from their life group had come in to visit, and she assumed that they were all pastors. 
because that's who visits people in intensive care. What a great description of taking the journey together because here's a truth we all know about life. We are actually better together. We are. And that's why at our church, groups, small groups, are actually the backbone of our church. So let's take a few minutes and look at how groups work. First of all, hello. New Life's groups are getting a complete makeover and upgrade this fall. Um, you, ever, you ever make over a kitchen? Of course, if you lived a long time. By the way, when you give a kitchen a makeover, do you put the same sink and the same stove and the same refrigerator and the same flooring and the same cabinets back in? Not usually, because usually when we do a makeover, we also do an upgrade. They sort of go together. We have done a number of makeovers of our small groups in New Life over the years. And we are at a point, because our church has grown and grown, and because culture has changed, that our whole group system is ready for a makeover and an upgrade. And this fall, we are actually doing that. In the fall, life groups are going to become community groups. That is going to be so hard to say, all right? So I just want to apologize right now as I walk us through that, and it's going to take me a while to change my vocabulary, but we are actually launching a whole new and upgraded groups ministry in our church this fall, and it's going to be called Community Groups. We have a whole group of people. I mentioned to you at the beginning that we're taking 10 to 12 people down to Atlanta, Georgia to go to a conference this coming weekend. They are the people that are actually working on this project right now, and that's part of their homework. We're, we're learning and studying everything we can get our hands on about group life. And we know up to this point that we are actually going to be upgrading how people get into groups. Um, we've had a few people that ended up in groups because of the way we get people into groups. If you've been around our church for a while, you know that usually we have a catalog and you look at the catalog of groups and you pick out one that works for a day and a time that will work for you. And I was just visiting with a lady recently and she said, I signed up for a women's group and not realizing because the day and the time worked for her that she was actually signing up for a group that were for women over 40. And she was like 25. And unfortunately that morning there was no one there under 60. So she showed up with like 15 or 20 people who were all over 60. Obviously, that group didn't work for her. We're, we have a better way to get people into groups. I'm going to work on that in just a minute. We're going we're gonna to talk and we're going to upgrade how long groups run. Okay, In order for a group to work well, you have to become friends to the point that you develop a trust in each other. That does not happen the first time you meet or the second time or the third time. All the data points to it takes about two months of meeting weekly for a group of people to develop a trust in each other that they can begin to be vulnerable and they can begin to share where they might struggle in life and where they're finding victory and what's actually working for them and what might not be working for them. It takes about two months for that. So groups have to run long enough that people can develop that sense of trust 
and vulnerability. But there's a point at which a group becomes a clique. You know what I mean? We don't want to be a church of cliques where new people say, I I can't get in because these people all have their own friendship circles and I don't have one. And so we're going to talk about how long groups run and there's a lot of data that points to 18 to 24 months is the perfect length of time for groups to run long enough to take a significant journey together but short enough not to become a clique. We're going to we're going to upgrade what groups discuss. We're going to upgrade how groups handle breaks like Christmas and Thanksgiving and spring break and summer break. We're going to upgrade all those things and hopefully make the whole system work better for all of us. So what are we going to do between now and the fall? Because we're going to unfold all that stuff in the fall. We're going to run a program called Summer, Bro- Summer Groups, and it's our bridge between where we are now and where we're going to go this fall. And summer groups are going to be a whole lot of fun. Here's what you need to know. They're going to run June, July, and August, okay? That's why they're called summer groups, for those of you who are beat me there, all right? Secondly, they're going to meet twice a month. It's the summer. It's hard to get everybody together every week. So groups will meet twice a month. If you're really good at math, you figured out that's only six times, right? So that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. We're going to process general life topics. We're going to feed you some questions that will help you get to know each other and begin to develop that trust. And you're going to ask me, well, we're only going to meet for three months. Why would we develop that trust and vulnerability? Here's why. Because in the fall, when we launch community groups, our hope is that a number of you who have been part of a summer group will say, hey, can our summer group become a community group this fall? And the answer is, yeah, you've already got a head start. So that's why the, the questions we're going to give you will help you develop that vulnerability and that trust in each other. And they're going to be formed by demographics. So on the inside of your program, I want you to take out this card, if you would, please. It's the long, skinny one. And on the back side, there are, I don't know, 20 or 21 demographics that you can sign up. Four, okay? Let me start with those of you that are part of an ongoing life group, okay? No, we're not going to blow up your life group for the summer, all right? You can relax. I want you to look at the very last demographic. It says, my life group is staying together. If your life group is staying together, please check that box now, okay? And that way, we'll leave you in that group. The... I want to point out some other things about our demographics. Two things. Think affinity and proximity. Affinity means people like you. Proximity means people who live where you live. Okay? So some of our demographics, let's say proximity-wise, are Santa Rosa, Rohnert Park, Petaluma, and Nevada. Okay? We would love to know if if that's important to you. I I know there's a couple that lives in Nevada, and they are so excited about starting a summer group in Nevada. So if you live in San Rafael, Novato, anywhere in that area, uh, if that's important to you, say, well, yeah, I want to go to a summer group that's in my town. Well, then you check that demographic. By the way, we're asking you to actually sign up for three different, dem- different demographics. Put a number one by your most preferred demographic, number two by your next most, and number three by your next most, all right? I want to point out a couple of other things. We are so excited to be able to add to our growing list of groups. 
for the first time ever, we are going to offer a Spanish-speaking small group. Are you excited about that? That is awesome. Listen, you don't have to be Hispanic to go to that. You don't have to be a Latino to go to that. If you speak Spanish, even marginally, more than me, all right? But even marginally, and you want to go encourage people who are the Spanish speakers in our community, join that group. Make it multi-ethnic, even though it's a Spanish medium group. You see right below that, for the first time, we are offering Hearing Impaired Life Group. Is that exciting for you? That's awesome. We have a growing number of friends who, who have started coming to our church who are hearing impaired. I want to say this to you. Even if you don't know American Sign Language well, if you know enough to get along and you want to go to that group, you know what they would love? They would love some hearing people who would dare to venture into their world. That's pretty cool. Okay? So, there's lots of different demographics. I'm going to give you about 30 or 45 seconds for you to put a one, a two, and a three. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm not going to give you long. All right. Jump at it. By the way, if you're new to our church, if you're new to our church, please feel invited to do that, but don't feel obligated to do that. Okay? If you want to join a group, particularly those of you who have been coming for a little while and you're not part of a group, man, this is your opportunity to get into a group with a bunch of people like you. This is a lot of fun. Looks like everybody's having fun collaborating with their friends. I love that. All right. So let me have your attention one more time because I'm going to pass on two more pieces of information before we get out of here. I want to say some things to those of you who are part of a life group that's continuing. All right. First of all, your group can follow the summer group format if you want to. You can meet twice a month. You can do. It's your group. You are there right now to encourage and help each other grow spiritually. And if you look at this and you go, that looks like fun. Let's do that for the summer. Fine. Come on board. On the other hand, if you want to continue in what you're currently discussing, please feel free to do that. We have no desire to control you. However, please do check the demographic on your card and turn in your card as we leave. All group members complete and turn in the demographic card and take out this card. Oh, this card. And that is the picnic in the park card. Okay? Because here's what's going to happen with all the data that you just 
are about to turn in. We're going to take those cards and the same group of people that's going to Atlanta next week is going to sit down with all your cards. And by the way, we're going to give your friends next week and the following week the same opportunity to sign up for summer groups. We're going to take all that data and it's sort of going to be like you do when you're planning a wedding and you're trying to figure out at the reception who sits at whose table, right? We're going to take all that demographics and we're going to try to get every single person who's signing up for a summer group in a group that fits one of their top three preferred demographics. And uh, I think that's going to be challenging and fun all at the same time. Okay? The reason we're inviting you to the picnic in the park is because we want you to actually meet your new group members. So we want you to be able to meet them in a casual setting, and we've got some fun activities and games. And by the way, the set that you see out there, we're going to take to the park. We're taking it to Walnut Park. And everybody that comes to picnic in the park is actually going to walk through that screen door because when you walk through the screen door, you're going to be given a ticket, and the ticket is to a number of door prizes. And the grand door prize is a weekend in a condo um, of your choice. We have a number that you can choose from. So there you go. It's going to be way fun. Plus, you're going to get to meet. Now, I I want to talk to those of you who are group leaders, okay? Those of you who are group leaders, whether you're a new group leader that has just signed up for summer groups or those of you who have been leading your group, you're going to do an orientation. All of you are going to do an orientation with your mentor And you're going to do it small group style. And we have some really fun stuff that you're going to walk through that will make you a better group leader. And we want all of you to come to the picnic as well, whether you go to an existing. And I'm not now I'm not just talking to life group leaders. I'm talking to everybody that's going to be part of our summer groups. Please, if you can come on June the 10th, we are going to have so much fun at that picnic. And it's going to launch this this summer group stuff in a spectacular way. It's going to be way fun. So I'm going to close with one statement, and then I'll get you out of here, and that is this. If I could, if I could wish anything for you, it would be that you would decide to invest in yourself. Invest in yourself by joining one of our summer groups. Let me pray. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. For the amazing thing that you did, Jesus, when you said, I'm going to build a church. And it's going to be this amazing group of people who take the journey of life together. And they love each other and they accept each other. And they're aware of each other's victories and successes. And they're aware of each other's struggles and failures. But in the end, it doesn't affect their love for each other. Thank you that you saw that in your mind and you saw this church long before any of us did. And our prayer is that you would take all these groups that we're launching this summer and this fall and that you would make them life-changing and transformational for all of us. That's our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.